Don't Call Me Girl Boss is a podcast dedicated to sharing the journey, struggles, and successes women small business owners go through. I host Jessica Buck, a small business owner myself, interviews women who haven't made a million dollars yet. I interview women at any stage of owning a business and focus on the struggles so listeners can really relate to the guest. I hope in listening to this podcast, you find your go-to source to get the real scoop of what it is like to be a woman small business owner. I'm excited to announce I just recently launched my first ebook. It's all about how to work with influencers with no budget. It is $9.99 and it is available on www.don'tcallmegirlboss.com. In this ebook, I literally go over my exact formula to how to work with influencers. And I get questions. This is probably the number one question I get is how I work with the influencers I do. And there is a strategy. And there are things you need to have in place before you just go out and start reaching out to influencers. So if you are interested and want to get into the influencer space, which I I highly recommend, I have built my entire business off of working with influencers. That's how I've built my credibility and that's how I've built that cool factor. So if you are interested in that, go ahead and go to don'tcallmegirlboss.com and the ebook is on there for $9.99. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. This week I have on Reka. She is the owner of Reka Beauty. She has a all-natural skincare company, and I was introduced to her by a few other blogger friends that I have in Austin, Texas, and was told I should interview her and just get to know her a little bit better, and she has an amazing story and is a female business owner here in Austin, Texas. And I honestly don't know much about her, and, not, and every guest that I interview, I don't always personally know them very well. Some I do, some I don't. Um, So this is one that we've kind of just connected and been like, hey, I heard of you, you've heard of me. We're both business owners. I have a podcast. Do you want to come on type thing? So I'm excited to have her on and get to know her with you. I'm going to be talking to her on the, you know, on the phone for the first time as well. So I'm excited about this one because it's a little different. The, um, The last week's episode I knew Ashley really well. Like I, she was a realtor. So it was, you know, it's just a different conversation. So, um. Reka was even like, hey, we can jump on a phone call before this and get to know each other a little bit better. But I just wanted to keep it raw and organic and like I'm getting to know her just as much as you are in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Reka. I am doing okay. Just things are super busy um, from time to time. So right now, actually, I kind of have some downtime. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself because I'm like, okay, I am pretty much caught up with everything I need and um, I'm just kind of, yeah. (laughs) So are you um, working full time and then doing Reka Beauty on the side or do you do Reka Beauty full time? I do Reka Beauty full time. Okay, because I saw on your Instagram you were like the advisor for, I forgot what it was called. Yes, I'm just in, it's so Advisory Cloud is a platform um, where you can kind of list yourself to be an advisor. And then there's other, you know, small businesses or companies that are coming up, maybe have ideas. They just need some guidance. So then they can kind of look at your profile, see what you can help with. And then um, you can kind of go from there. So that's not really like a full-time that's more of like my side job I guess my side yeah. you know, hustle um but yeah I do rake a beauty full-time that's amazing I I've recently dabbed in online sales and it is not easy I feel like it's easy to launch it's hard to stay consistent yes um that's definitely true I launched back in 2017 and I think um you know it's really fun when you're, you know, putting your website together, doing everything and you launch and then you're like, Oh wait, now how do I make a sale? (laughs) So yeah, I totally um, understand. So I know you're doing the tanning salon, correct? Yeah. So I do the tanning and then I also came out with a self tan mousse during COVID. Oh, nice. That sounds really, really fun. Yeah, it is fun. It just, like I said, it was easy to launch a moose and then have a bunch of sales and then 
how do you keep those sales coming in every day? Of course. So how do you find that you're able to keep going and rely on it enough where um so for me um when I launched uh we you know I'm not sure I I believe you're aware but we have the world's only turmeric peel-off mask so Mm -hmm. since it was super unique we kind of got lucky in a sense and I think shortly after maybe I want to say five months to six months we were actually picked up by the media Huffington Post and Refinery BuzzFeed just one after the other they were reporting about this new product and because of that, we were able to really keep consistent, see that growth, and then make a lot of partnerships with subscription boxes, things like that, who wanted to include our products in um, to their boxes. And so we started seeing some steady growth. Wow, that's amazing. I feel like that's a big key is getting press. Yes, it's very, very helpful. I think um, when you get press, it really helps the consumer find some trust in the brand because so many people are starting businesses these days and it's kind of like, who do you trust, you know? And, um, I've found that partnering with larger brands, you know, brands that basically consumers already have this like trust in really helps a small business kind of come up. Yeah. That's my philosophy with working with influencers. Yeah. It's kind of like the same thing, getting someone, you know, with importance that you trust to post about your product in an article or on social media. Yeah, definitely. So where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Austin or? I did. I am an Austin local. I know it's hard to find. Uh, You're a unicorn, they call them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you? Um, Orange County, California. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, no, I've been here basically my whole life. Um, I was actually born in India, but I moved to the States. We were in uh, Urbana-Champaign, Illinois, which is about, I think, 30, 40 minutes away from Chicago. So I was there, um, moved there when I was like, I think, three years old. And then I was there probably, I want to say, second, third grade. (laughs) And then we moved to Austin and home since. Wow. How did you like growing up here? I love it. Um, Austin, to me, I think is just a fun place. And the people here are super, you know, um, friendly. And there's so much diversity that um, every time I leave to maybe, you know, want to live somewhere else, I find myself coming back here. Yeah, I love Austin. And we are so happy that we made the move here. Yeah, same. Um, What did your parents do or what brought you guys to Austin? So my dad is a computer science, a typical, you know, Indian dad. (laughs) (laughs) My mom, she was a a preschool teacher. So they did that. And then it's so funny that you asked me how we ended up here. My dad, um, you know, being in that computer science field, he offered, I think when I was very little, to either move to California or to Texas. And growing up, you know, when you're, I guess, up north and you're little, you kind of believe, you know, what everyone else says. And there's that, like, myth or this, um, you know, how everyone just kind of like, oh, if you go to Texas, you're going to have a pony because everyone rides horses. (laughs) So, yeah, as a child, I was like, oh, really? Like, okay, then I'm going to move to Texas because I want a pony. So, yeah, my dad gave me that option and I kind of made that choice because I was like, you're going to get me a pony. I mean, I didn't get that, but um, I did learn how to ride horses. So that's, that's kind of how we ended up here. Oh, wow. Could you imagine how different do you think your life would be if you went to California? Oh, wow. I don't even know. Sometimes I've wondered that um, because I love California. I go there quite often or I did. um, And every time I go, I'm like, oh, wow, this is such a beautiful place. You know, there's so much greenery there. And I'm a very nature person, so I really love how there's, like, that diversity in plants versus here in Texas. It's just a bunch of, you know, like, cedar trees. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I really couldn't imagine it, though. I know. Isn't it weird how, like, one decision just shapes your whole life, but you don't realize it when it's happening? Yeah. And that's that's one um, kind of thing that really reinforces that statement, you know, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. Life is life is interesting. 
Yeah. So in high school, what was like your jobs? What were you doing then? So in high school, um, my first job I think I got was like when I was 17. And it was making cookies at Nestle Tollhouse Cookies. That's an amazing job. I would gain so much weight. Oh, trust me. I think I had like a stomach ache like after every shift because I'm a sweet person. So me too. Sweets in front of me, those things are going to be gone. Um, but it was really fun. It was my first job. And at the time, you know, I, I think I was just super excited to even have a job. I thought it was really cool. So I did that. Um, and then in college, kind of moved into that retail space. I worked, at, I mean, at so many different retail places. And I think that's when I started realizing I had that talent to make sales. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then that kind of brought me into where I am now. What did you end up going to college for? I was pre-law and I actually went to law school. So I'm a law school dropout. Wow. (laughs) I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I've, um, always kind of had that around me and I used to watch Law and Order. It was my favorite show. And I just thought, you know, this is what I was going to do. I used to work at a couple of law firms as well. Um, towards the end of college and it just seemed like the most professional job you could you know do I guess at the time for me and that's why I went into um, law school and then afterwards you know I just realized I had a different path what was that realization like what was that different path so I was actually in Florida Um, this was think about a year or so after college and I kind of moved there because I was I was ready to explore and I was like I want to you know kind of figure out what I'm going to do with my life and I just kind of moved out there since I knew a couple of people there and while I was there I think Pinterest was kind of like that new you know hot trend that was in and people were always finding DIY projects things like that so I was kind of doing that with um, just skincare like creams and stuff I found some random recipe and I was like oh this looks fun so I was doing that in that same like year I lost my grandmother who I was super super close to and I think at the time without knowing it um I was using the ingredients that she kind of taught me as a child as like a coping method and that's when I started putting you know like turmeric and ingredients from the like an Indian kitchen cardamom things like that into my skincare and when I was doing that, I had more and more people ask me questions about, well, what does this do? Um, how does it work? Where did that come from? And that kind of, you know, prompted me to do my own research. So I was doing that and I realized, um, shockingly, that the United States does not regulate um, the ingredients that go into Can you believe there. that? Exactly. It's just crazy that we're probably the only country that doesn't. And I know it's wild. Exactly. And so I wanted to change that, you know, at least for myself or provide something that, you know, clean beauty, more and more people are doing it now. But I wanted to do that, but also bring Indian ingredients into the mix since we don't have that many here. Um, Not many brands, I guess, that are doing that. So, you know, that's kind of where the initial thought happened. But then I was moving back to Austin because I was just kind of not happy there. I was like, well, most of my friends and family are back home and that's where I need to be. I came here, had just um, an extra, I guess, like surplus of inventory that I was just going to throw away because I was like, I can't use all of this. And I had a friend that was just kind of like, well, why don't you go sell it? There's like a holiday market coming up. And at the time I was like, why would I do that? You know, like I didn't really have this like business mentality, Um, but I went and I sold out. And that's my, that aha moment came where I was like, okay, there, there's something here. Um, people are, what were the products? Like you said, you had a bunch of inventory. Like, did you have it in Mason jars? Like, what was that like? It was actually in little tin jars, like tin. I don't know if you've seen them. I think they have them like Amazon, but they're like little tin jars. And I would print the label myself, you know, on my, just the printer, like the Avery labels and just stick it on there. Okay. So, yeah. And what was the product you were selling? It was just a body cream, body lotion. Okay. And I had, you know, mixed some turmeric in there. So it had more of that like yellow coloring and people thought it was just super interesting. 
So you sell out and then you're like, okay, I, what was the next process? Uh, so the next process for me was to now kind of think about, well, how am I going to really go about this if I'm going to, you know, fully launch? And I started working with Ayurvedic doctors and chemists in India. I had a, a family friend who I guess had like a former boss that, you know, was in that field or did some of that. Um, I think he like did research for turmeric and things like that, working for some of these companies. Um, and so kind of had that contact to um, find these, you know, Ayurvedic doctors in India. So that's kind of how the process started. And we would, you know, um, talk about the type of ingredients I wanted, the textures, things like that. And then we would start playing around with ingredients. What was the cost of that to do something like that? So I started with about $5,000. It was everything that I had in my savings at the time. And I just was like, I'm going to do this. And, um, Luckily, they understood that, you know, I'm just starting and the cost was very, very low for me to kind of play with you know, ingredients. They would send me different samples. We had, I think, over 100 formulations that I would kind of test out and I mean, it took a year and a half. So it was a very slow kind of process in the beginning. And this was just to come out with one product? Yes. It was our turmeric peel-off mask. Um, I mean, it took about a year and a half to kind of formulate that original one. But when we launched, we were able to kind of add those extra variants. Like, you know, right now we have like cucumber, lemon, orange. So once you kind of find that base formula, adding kind of the variants became a lot easier. So. And then, so you find the formulation, how did you, did they do all the packaging, all of that? No, I wish that would have been (laughs) ideal, but um, no, I had to kind of, you know, look at what kind of bottles I wanted them in. Um, They did help with, you know, as far as guiding me in where I could find the packaging. And so I would kind of tell them, okay, well, this is what I need. This is what I want. How do we go about it? And what's really challenging is that when you're a small business, um, the costs are very, very high in the very beginning because you're ordering low quantities. So, and then there's also, you know, companies that don't want to even cater to you because you're going to order low quantities. So I had to kind of work with what I could find and what was in my budget. Um, and I would kind of design packaging around that. How did you end up finding your supplier? You obviously don't need to say where you get it, but like, what was, did you just like Google it? Um, no. Um, so are you, well, are you asking about the supply for my packaging or for the product? Yeah. Like what was the process of getting, finding that person? Um, so they, um, are kind of like, uh, I guess a team with my manufacturer, the company that we have for our manufacturing, I guess, is also uh, pretty big in Asia. They manufacture for some other large companies there. So they had those contacts kind of pre-existing and I was able to kind of go through them and be like, okay, well, these are the bottles I need, things like that. And, um, you know, we just kind of go through them right now. But we are in the process of finding new packaging, new products and stuff like that. And it's, I think it's a lot of networking, um, always having to kind of you know, ask other people, well, where do you get yours from? Do you have any good resources? Um, But yeah, and then of course, Google is very, very helpful, I think, to anyone that's starting. And how did you come up with the idea for the peel off mask? That's so funny. Um, I've had a few people ask me that. And so I'm actually I think when it comes to skincare routines, I'm pretty lazy. I (laughs) do not like to um, spend a whole lot of time, I guess, even though, you know, I should, especially that I have a skincare, uh, company, but that's why I try to keep everything in my formulas very simple. Um, uh, a lot of people use clay-based masks and to me, they break out my skin because they can kind of go into your pores, clog them. And then, you know, it's just, my skin's very sensitive. So I knew that, um, I wanted like a peel off cause it's a lot more easier to maintain you know it's just a quick throw it on it dries up you peel it off go there's no like trying to sit there wash it off of you um so that's kind of how it started 
And then we just made sure that, you know, it was kind of low in alcohol content because most of the peel off masks that you can find now are very high with alcohol content that it leaves your skin dry. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So you get the product, you get the packaging, do you get it all shipped to you and then you're going to start shipping it out and come up with the launch plan? Um, so in the very beginning, well, once after the whole, you know, I was making my own and selling it. Once I got that manufacturing going, um, yes, everything is packaged there and it gets imported here to me. And then I would, you know, obviously pack it and then ship it out. That's kind of how it initially we started. And you, did you go full-time into Reka Beauty or were you working as well in the beginning? Uh, I went full-time. So when I launched, I knew that most successful companies, um, if you want to be very successful, you got to give it your all. And I don't know, um, I'm sure you've watched Shark Tank and they always say, you know, they always go after the brands where the founder is working full-time because you're going to find a way to make your company work when you don't have a backup, you know, I guess income. So I kind of took yeah. that risk. That's why I had that savings. And I was like, I'm going to go full time. Like I'm going to go in. And thankfully I had the support of my family. Um, so I moved in back with them. I sold my house in Florida and I just, you know, moved back with them and um, saved money that way. <laughs> so that's amazing. So you start the website, you do all that. And then how was your first day of launch? My first day of launch, it looked amazing on social media, but behind the scenes, I actually made no sales that first day. So I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is like not that great, you know? Um, Cause you're looking forward to that sale. And mm-hmm. um, I think it took maybe almost a month before I made my first sale. And why do you think that was? I think it's just... Um, People, especially when it comes to skincare and cosmetics, they are afraid to test something and I don't blame them, right? Because I don't want to just put anything on my skin. So it's a lot of educating the consumer and I didn't really, I think, you know, have that message of what it really was. I think I was just, you know, posting pictures of this product and you're kind of like, oh, you know, this is what it does for you. Um, Go buy it, right? But I wasn't giving... Mm -hmm the inside of, you know, where the ingredients are coming from, why I chose those ingredients, um, what it does for your skin specifically. And so there's like a lack of trust, I guess, with that. Yeah. So you get a month in and you start selling. Yes. And then how did the, so it just kind of like took off yeah. those news um, I would, platforms you talked about found the peel off mask or how did that get on their radar? So on, I'm assuming that when I first started, um, I remember I had a friend who worked kind of in the PR space and she would recommend for me to go onto this thing called Haro. And Um, You sign up for it. It's kind of like, it's called Help a Reporter Out. So it'll kind of share emails um, to you. I think they send it like three times a day. But it'll just kind of give you um, little scripts of what these companies are looking for, like what media platforms are looking for. So anytime there was a skincare, she would kind of be like, hey, look, there's this skincare one specifically. You need to apply for it or whatnot. So I would just kind of email them a short little pitch. And then um, one person picked us up. And then after that, it was kind of like, you know, you're able to use that and be like, well, we were featured in Huffington Post. And then, um, you know, the next person or whatever. And then that's kind of how it grew slowly. And then it comes to a point where now we don't even reach out to them. They reach out to us. That's amazing. Thank you. So when you're building these sales, you're just coming out with the peel-off mask. Were there any other products you were working on? Um, initially, that was the only product we had. And then the year afterwards, in 2018, we launched our cleanser. And I believe, I want to say, um, yeah, I think actually we launched just the cleanser. And then a few months after that, we launched the oil and the cream and which one's your number one seller is it still the mask um that's such a hard question because i think with 
the, you know, seasons changing, we always kind of see an increase in, uh, you know, different maybe product for that season. But um, our peel-off masks do really well because I think it's the hero product and that's kind of what we became known for initially. So those always sell. And then now with the winter dry season, our exfoliating polish is um, on top of that list. That's awesome. So you say we a lot. Do you have a team now? I do. I so I even though I handle most of you know the operating and things like that, my dad who is retired now works for me and for logistics. Um, he kind of takes care of you know all the shipments that come through, um, arranging you know all our imports. So we do a lot of shipments through via seaports because flight just you know takes up eats into your costs. So um, he's kind of in charge of that. And then I have a marketing team now. So they're kind of in charge of, you know, my Facebook ads, my um, email ads, things like that. That's awesome. When did you get to the point where you needed a team? When I realized that I couldn't do it all on my own. (laughs) So yeah, I was wearing (laughs) so many hats and then you kind of get burnt out. Because, you know, you're always trying to save and especially me having that like South Asian mentality, you know, you're kind of taught to like save, save, save. And I was like, okay, I can't keep saving because, you know, I'm holding on to this money, but is it really helping me grow just by saving? And then you kind of have to make that decision of, okay, it's time for you to start assigning, you know, work to other people that are better at it. You know, you just got to tell your, you know kind of comes to that realization right that you're not good at everything and that's when mm-hmm. you're you know I guess take that leap of faith and start um handing over work to other people <laughs> are you out as like a storage place or are you still out of your home um, I am out of my home um everyone kind of worked remote and um I do a lot of freelancing as well with other you know people depending on what we need but yeah I am just out of my home that's amazing. I think that's the best way because it's like you want to keep your costs low. Like I don't know how people afford everything when you start expanding. I know, so much. and I always, you know, hear people. They're like, "Oh, I got funding. I did this. I did that." But it's like, you know, it, it's kind of easy, right? Like I could get a loan from the bank or whatever, get an office space. But what does that really do? You know, and you kind of have to just yeah, you want to be home. Like I want to be home. Like that's yeah. the reason. I'm exactly. So, so yeah, when people tell me that, I'm like, okay, you know, and, and unfortunately, some of the companies or brands that I've, you know, talked to in the past are no longer there. And it's because off the bat, they're just like, oh, I hired a photographer, I hired, you know, um, someone to do my website, I hired this. And I'm like, but are you making sales? Sometimes people think you have to spend so much <laughs> money elsewhere to get those sales. But honestly, it's, you shouldn't. I think that um, if you're true to yourself and you're passionate about what you do, you alone can make those sales come in and then slowly start building and, you know, paying other people to do those things for you. Yeah, I agree. So your marketing strategy, do you work with influencers or anything like that? Or do you focus mainly on Facebook so ads? We mainly focus on Facebook ads. And then our biggest marketing strategy is the subscription boxes because we're partnered with so many big brands, including Ipsy, who's one of our favorites. Um, I mean, we get our products out to on average over maybe 50 million consumers or at least viewers, right? They're looking at it um, either through our partners, pages, sites or whatnot. And then typically they have influencers they work with, but then also in this day and age, everybody is always posting everything. Right. So I think it kind of, um, it's not necessarily that we're, you know, scouting influencers or anything like that, but they'll post on their page, like a consumer that maybe bought it on Etsy or, um, got it in their bag. They're going to post about it. And so they'll tag us. We'll, you know, try to reshare, repost, um, things like that. But most of the content you see on our, like, Instagram is going to be organic. That's awesome. So, Ipsy, do they, do you pay them to be in the box or do they pay pay you? Oh, wow. That's, I didn't know how that (laughs) works. So, they give you X amount per bottle? 
Um, they work with, you know, different brands and the, and not all subscription boxes are like that. Some boxes, um, they kind of expect to get the free product, but I always recommend staying away from, you know, subscription boxes like that because they're just making money off of you, right? They're getting free stuff, but they're still charging consumers and it's not always the best way to market yourself. Um, so we always work with, you know, subscription boxes where they're actually paying us, um, for the product. Yeah. And then did you approach Ipsy or did they approach you? So they came, um, to us. That's amazing. That makes things easier. It's really hard though. And that's why it's all about networking. You have to really go out there and I know it's so much harder now with the pandemic so I don't even know where I would be if, you know, I started a business during this time, but what really helped me was network, 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 you know, just going out there, meeting people, um, pop-ups. I used to do a lot of different pop-ups. And one time um, I did this private event in Westlake and it was so interesting because it was kind of a last minute thing and I almost didn't go. And when I went, um, there was someone there that actually was a friend of another company founder. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Poopery, but so she was actually yeah. a friend and she had bought my products and I think gifted her one of them. And so it's just one of those things where you don't know, you know, you don't know who what someone else knows, I guess. Right. And it just kind of like passed that way as well. So I have so many different stories like that that are very unique. And that's why I was, I'm a very, very um, advocate, like pro advocate of networking and just going out there, you know, do whatever event you can. Um, You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, This wasn't my marketing strategy when I moved to Austin, but it's exploded my business here. It's just networking and getting to know people. I wish I did that in California, but it was just different. Definitely. Are you on Amazon at all, or do you just focus on selling we on your are website? On Amazon, um, since I mean, it's we're selling it, you know, obviously because I know I see other companies on there, but I think another company might be selling their products. Um, but no, we have like you know our products on Amazon, and you'll see it from you know our company. And how is that um, going? I think it does pretty well. Um, we don't really focus on promoting that as much, just because our future plans are to take it off of Amazon. And um, I think it's just a great kind of strategy in the beginning because you want more brand awareness. So we kind of put it out there wherever we can. But initially, or I think in the future, we're going to be um, kind of removing those products from Amazon because if you want to grow into a retailer, most retail, um, they don't really, I guess they're not really fond of companies that are on Amazon. Yeah. Oh, really? Just Why? because you're eating their margin, right? Like you're, because on Amazon, everything is cheap, especially consumers that have like prime, they're not going to want to pay that shipping cost, things like that. So it's kind of like, well, why would you, you know, I don't know, buy it like Nordstrom per se, if you can buy it on Amazon. So a lot of those kind of retailers won't um, entertain a small company or a small brand or anyone that is selling on Amazon. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. You'll pro- I'm sure you've probably like seen there's like some companies like, I don't know, like especially these like designer brands where you can go on Amazon. You might see like one product of theirs, but you're not going to see the other stuff that's in stores. That's true. And that's because yeah. they're in retailers. And retailers won't. Um, they're not very fond of um, companies on Amazon. Are you in any retailers? We are um, in some local boutiques here in Austin. Um, and you can find us, I think, in Atlanta, a few in Manhattan, and Washington. That's awesome. So how did you get into this? Was that just approaching um, the boutique? So a few, especially here in Austin, I would approach them, kind of talk to them. Um, and if I thought my products would do well, I kind of, you know, drop off some samples, let them try it out. And that's kind of how we started here. And then thanks to social media, now we've had, you know, I think, especially the ones like I think um, not, you know, outside of 
like Texas, they're the ones who have approached us because they saw us through like social media or maybe they got us in a box and they were like, oh, we, you know, we tried you guys out already. We really love you. We want to put you in our store. That's awesome. It's like behind the scenes, people probably have no idea that like you're out of your house, (laughs) you're fulfilling all these things, you know? Of course. Um, You know, I think people don't realize. And um, I think I'm very, um, I think I was even asking you, I was like, Hey, you want to hop on a zoom call? I do that with everyone. I'm like, let's connect. You know, I'm not that type of person Mm -hmm. where I'm just going to assign it to someone and you never like see the founder. (laughs) You know, I think I'll always be. Yeah out there in front of it all. Um, I just love, you know, connecting with everyone and I'm thankful for everyone that supports us. So I'm always talking with people. I I remember even like with Itsy and a few other boxes where they're like, they're like, you're the founder. I'm like, yeah. They're like, Oh my God, this is the first time I've, you know, talked to any founder. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think that's such a disconnect with business owners. I could never be that business owner either. So I think that's good. So that shows a lot of passion. Yeah, it really does. And then what's the dynamic working with your dad? That is, um, (laughs) it's interesting. There's times when, you know, you're like, that's your dad. You know, what he's probably saying is, you know, right. And then there's times when you're like, well, that's not how I want it. And I've kind of learned to, um, you know, I guess when it's business, I, I kind of try to take myself away from that like daughter dad relationship I'm kind of like this is business so this is what we're gonna do and I think he's very good about that too you know um and I think he sees that what I'm doing is working because initially they were kind of like what are you doing they're like why are you gonna start like a random business because we don't have anybody in the family that does business so they're not very familiar with that and they were kind of scared. But once they saw those checks rolling in, I think my dad was like, okay, you know what you're doing. So I'll let you do it kind of thing. So. Yes, yeah, so it was an immediate approval. It was yeah, kind of exactly. Like, Wait, what? They were kind of like, what is she doing? Like, is she? Well, now it's funny because exactly. they work for you. <laughs> yeah. Once those checks started rolling in, my dad was like, oh, okay, you're, you're actually doing something. You know, and now he's super proud and he's just very, you know, all involved. And I think for him, it's something new, you know, um, it's giving him something to do and kind of learn as well. And he seems to be having fun with it. So I'm happy. Do you guys have like a warehouse room in your house or what does that look like? I think half of my parents' house, um, the garages are full of my products. (laughs) So (laughs) in the room. (laughs) There's like no guest room anymore because it's full of my stuff. Um, yeah, I'm kind of using all that I can right now, especially with the pandemic. It's not like anyone comes over. No one needs to stay at our house. So, um, yeah, it's pretty packed. What would you tell someone who wanted to start selling beauty products online? Um, I would tell them to really um, focus on social media and just be yourself, you know? I think that's what really helped me. I'm not on, like, you never really see me do videos so much on social media. And I wish I could. And that's something I'm working on. Um, But I think just being yourself and not comparing. What's stopping you from that? Is it just the self-confidence to be able to do it? I think, well, one, I'm just not a camera person. It's so weird for me to, like, look at my phone and talk to the phone. I love doing it when I know. You know, I'm talking to someone else. Like I'll do a lot of, um, you know, IG lives because I'm chatting with someone else. But when it's just me looking at the phone, I'm just like, uh, like, you know, who's listening? <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about I know. It's such it's a hard thing. Yeah, I never get it used to it. It consumes a lot of my time. So the people that are doing it, I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, you know, you have to really be on your phone, like all the time and really that's like mm-hmm. a second job I feel like you know and for me I just don't really have that time especially when I'm focusing on so many other things and really working on growing the company um but I am working on trying to put myself out there more but yeah I just my I mean I think my advice would be be yourself and don't compare to another company or what anyone else is doing yeah and what would you um advice would you give to someone who wants to sell 
like be able to make really high sales just do like the press and all that try to get yourself into press and I think another important thing is make sure your product is very unique and different it needs to be something that people just can't go and find out there somewhere else you know Um, I think a lot of people are realizing you can start a business and it's very easy to start a business you can you know pay that $300 to Secretary of State and you'll have an LLC but and then you know I think a lot of people are going to private label companies and people don't realize that a consumer will google your ingredients. I, there's plenty of times where I've, you know, there's local business owners, even skincare owners that, you know, are here in Austin and I can take that, those ingredients, stick it into Google and it'll come matching with a ton of other products because they're private label. So if you're going to sell something, I think you should really um, focus on making it very different and something that's not already out there. Yeah, that's a good tip. My mousse is actually private label, but like I don't have the money to do like a private formulation or even the time, you know? It's yeah, hard. I think so. Even if you start with private label, make sure it's different and maybe like an ingredient or two. Um, there are companies here, even locally in Austin, that you can switch it up, right? You don't really specifically have to have the money to formulate right away. You can work with the manufacturers and tell them, well, these are the kind of ingredients that I want. Um, you're only going to be paying them if you're making them do all the research. But if you're, you know, capable of kind of going online and researching the ingredients yourself and then you know what you want and kind of tell them this is what I want, they can make the same, I guess, what is it? Like they can make like maybe five variations using the same formula. It'll just be different in texture because of the amount to use. But you can kind of have them do that and you're still going to be setting yourself apart from the other private labels. Yeah, wow, that's a really good tip. I wish I would have done that with my moose and maybe in the next round I'll do that because that's probably yeah. one of the best tips I've heard. Um, that's just, and sometimes, you know, I hate like sounding like that person that's calling people out, but I'm like, I see it. And I'm like, No, you, just you have, have to, to. Um, realize that people, you know, there's so much information out there, you know, so much technology that it literally just takes me, you know, copying and pasting the ingredients. And then I'm like, oh, wow, this is a private label because there's this com- this one, this one, and this one all have the same exact ingredient, the same order. And, you know, um, I think it works for maybe like initial startup, but as you grow and if you want to grow into like a nationwide company or international company and just have those sales coming in, you just really have to stand out and be different. Is it surprising how many people are actually it private is. label? <laughs> Um, well, actually, it is and it's not. I think in the beginning it was, but now, like, more and more people are wanting to be entrepreneurs. And I'm sure you've heard of Alibaba. Everyone goes on Alibaba. And, uh-huh. You know, you can find almost anything there and make it your own, I guess, and then sell it. So I think that's what a lot of people are doing. And you have to be very careful when you do that because I think it's good for the short term. And you might be... Uh, making enough sales to, I guess, live comfortably, maybe, you know, but if you really want to be a successful brand, then you have to do something that's different. Yeah, I remember I didn't get my moose off Alibaba, but I was trying different mooses. And I tried uh-huh. so many samples. And I was just and didn't end up going with someone from Alibaba because I didn't want to deal with mm-hmm. someone that far away. And um I was just nervous of the product quality, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I didn't want my product yeah, to be from China. Yeah, that's one. I think more and more people are staying away from products that are coming in from China. Um, but, I mean, I think if it's not cosmetics, then most companies, like, I think, I mean, there's, like, plenty of companies I can name that are huge, and their products come from China. So. Yeah, no, I agree. It just It's so cheap, and yeah. it's almost scary. <laughs> I'm from China. It's like, wait, why is this so cheap? But I think it's also um, like packaging stuff. If you get it from China and then repackage it here, you're going to save those costs because any doing anything in the United States is going to eat your margins. That's because everybody here wants to get paid. Well, I didn't go through the U.S. I ended up going to the U.K. because the U.S. is just too expensive. Oh, wow. So you thought U.K. was a little bit more affordable? (laughs) it was a lot more affordable that's kind of good to know I guess um I would have never thought 
I wouldn't either. And after I was researching, they actually had the best moose that I could find and the best pricing. Um, uh, the U.S. was, you know, X amount. They're like 3 to $4 more. And no one would give me my moose in a black ball, Aww. which I really wanted. Everyone in the U.S. <laughs> told me I'm nuts for the minimums Well, but I that's wanted. good, though. So, like, you definitely, you know, kind of went outside that box and, and you went kind of, you know, um, found, like, I guess – what works for you and you went with it. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was <laughs> it's not easy. It was a nightmare yeah. actually trying yeah. to find I it. Try your moose now, cause, is that, is that um, I've seen a little bit of your things online on like Instagram and stuff. And I think a few people maybe were using it, but your moose just looks so delicious. Like it looks like a, like a dessert. <laughs> Well, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that, especially coming from you who's so someone who's been so successful in online sales because I have no clue what uh, I'm doing. You know what? So. I don't either. <laughs> so I'll tell you that right now. When I started, I had no clue. And I think the drive of, you know, learning, even now, like I do webinars, I attend webinars, I um, Google things, I take online classes for marketing there's a book as well that I recommend to everyone. Um, it's called Invisible Selling Machine. It's like a must read, but you follow everything in that book and you will make sales. <laughs> I'm definitely going to purchase that because I mentioned it before. Like I'm, it was easy to launch. I've done so well. And now like it's hard to stay consistently yeah. getting sales. How has the, I guess the pandemic affected you, I guess, in any way, because I'm assuming Oh my gosh. It's so hard in California, even more. I have more on the line in California. I still oh, have nice. a location. So I still have rent due. And um, last week we had one appointment this week. We have two. It's hurting really bad in California. Every where the governor just announced that they're pretty much going to go back yeah. on lockdown. So um, the girl that was renting a room for me. So I rent out a room there to kind of, make my cost lower for my salon and um she bailed on me two days before rent was due um, on sunday so it's been a week now you're shifting everything (laughs) online and those online kind of sales are so important you know yeah yeah well i'm just about to get on amazon prime next week so i actually sent it to the warehouse and it's going to be prime because i think that's going to reason why I'm not doing as well on Amazon is because everyone wants prime. That makes sense. Uh, Do you guys do that? Do you uh, guys have them fulfill? And we haven't really given too much focus to Amazon. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, just because we don't want to be stuck to like, you know, being known as this like company that's on Amazon too much. Um, But I mean, our sales are, I mean, there, yeah, we don't make like a ton of sales on Amazon. That's not like our, you know, number one um, platform, but I think so far it's been kind of steady. Um, yeah. Well, they yeah. take a big portion too. So, well, for us, I'm trying to think what portion, I feel like they changed the prices since. So since we started a long time ago, like two years ago, our prices have stayed the same and they're a lot lower. I can't, you know remember what it is off the bat but they're much lower than I think what they're charging people now yeah I think we pay like six dollars and it's like a you know on there mm-hmm. I sell it as a set only and it's 40 I'm okay. selling it for 49 so it's a yeah. you know yeah. if you're it adds up so are your prices different on Amazon than okay. no I have them the same I see some people actually raise them on Amazon yeah. because of that fee but I don't know. I feel like it should be consistent right. should everywhere. And that's why I asked because when you put, you know, one price somewhere else and once people learn that, like that word's going to spread and then you're just not going to see sales on the site that, you know, you're charging more for. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely keep it. Yeah, I've, I follow an influencer who does that. She raised her price $5 to cover the shipping and all of that. And then she sells it cheaper on her website. And I just think that's like, you can't do that. Like, you have to eat the cost, you know, like you can't just yeah. be like, oh, it's yeah. more expensive here. Yeah, I'm gonna of course. Charge and I think more. all those kind of, um, you know, different methods work for the short term. But, you know, for me, I'm very focused on growing this and becoming a brand that eventually will be, 
easily accessible. You know, our goal is to one day be like Sephora or something. So we're kind of taking those steps that we know need to be taken in order to get there. And we try to avoid things that we know mm-hmm. can hinder that. Um, Sephora is one of those big companies that they don't like companies that are on, you know, Amazon or selling for a lot lower somewhere else. So we try to keep uh, consistent yeah. because recently <laughs> we actually had one of our products that was kind of uh, copied. It was duplicated by a large company. And uh, then I found out that um, really? another friend of mine who works for a huge company that we're on the list. There's a, uh, what is it? It's like a software system that most companies have and it gives them like a little snippet of every company that's like launching, like any little company, you know, if it's on Amazon, they have all that data, right? Like, you know, Amazon has everyone's data as far as like companies, things like that. So they get a snippet. And they know exactly what's on the market, what's launching, what's, you know, whatever else. And our, you know, company was on that list. And so I was like, I know they, there's no way they didn't know about the product. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so it's crazy. That we're- That's not. How did you, how did that make you feel? Were you really uh, angry at I first? Was, I wasn't angry. I think I was more upset because, you know, you put so much hard work into it and then a company with millions of dollars can just replicate something overnight and then, you know, make sales because everyone already yeah. knows about them. But um, it ended up turning into a good thing because then we had so many people that were supporting us that what they were tagging that company. They were tagging that brand, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. I was kind of like, you know, after like a week I got over and I was like, you know what, this just validates what I'm doing and it kind of even motivated me even more to do better yeah there's no patents on products right there's um, nothing that you can, you can do, do to like protect trademarks that. and things like that there are a few products out there that have uh, patents on them but they're usually you sorry I can't talk <laughs> they're usually chemical based <laughs> so like we have more plant-based you know not um harmful ingredients so it's harder to do it when it's like that. But if it's like a chemical that's like man-made, it's much more easier to patent. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit tougher that way. And most of the time, I think companies don't really, um, what is it? I guess they don't really care to patent on a lot of things. There's a lot of companies out there that don't do that. And that's just because it's like a rule of ethics, right? Like you see a brand and they copy. Um, it just makes the company look bad. It's like a dupe. So most people just don't do that. Yeah. Um, but of course, there's always an occasional large company that's going to do something off of a small brand just because they can. Like, they know I don't have all these attorneys to go after yeah. them. So. Yeah. How has COVID affected your business in the beginning, at all? We were very, very slow. Um, I think, you know, there's that initial shock of everyone figuring out what's going on in the world. No one's going out anymore. So, like, no one's buying products, right? And um, a few months after that, you know, with the hand sanitizer shortage, we decided we were going to launch a hand sanitizer during the pandemic. And because of that, um, we started showing up on, I guess, Google's SEO when people are kind of searching for hand sanitizers. And that actually brought more people to our site. Yeah. So kind of, you know, it's amazing. And then came right back up. It's still slow, slower than usual, but what we hope for. Um, but otherwise, it's we've been kind of lucky to uh, stay afloat and be. How is it importing your products? Has that been yes. effective? <laughs> Definitely. Um, importing products, we are now giving ourselves maybe an extra 30 to 40 day lead time just because everything, you know, the, all the shipments are slow. A lot of companies don't have as many employees working and the ports, um, even like USPS, everyone's pretty backed up. Yeah. How's it for you? Um, I haven't had that many issues. The UK's been okay. pretty good. Um, which just, I don't know, talking about COVID just makes me yeah. depressed. It just sucks. I'm super ready for everything to go back to normal so I can kind of meet up with everyone. I know that you, I think, who was it? Um, a few other people, Tan, I don't know, was it? 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she told me that you yeah, were on the bus to that lunch like, yeah, a couple try, weeks ago. You know, and my boyfriend was actually visiting, and I was like, I'm gonna try to step out, um, and then I just couldn't make it. But I definitely want to, yeah. uh, you know, start meeting more people. I know it's been a hard time, especially right now because it's like yeah, getting worse. Yeah, I try not to look at the news anymore. I'm just, yeah. I'm just me too. I only watch it because it affects my business in California so much, so mm-hmm. I have to keep up with it Do somehow. Do you make a lot of sales online for California? Because I know that's one of our top um, consumers. Californians love to buy, I feel like. Yeah, I do a lot of California and Texas. I don't, I don't really get sales other places, but okay. I'm have very you, like local. Um, advertise other places? No, so that's something I need to work on actually is Facebook ads and learning all of that and figuring out how to – because I've ran them and just not been successful, so I need to read yeah, books or take a class. Yeah, and tip I always tell people kind of starting out or, you know, trying to make those sales online, on social media, you know how you can geotag, like there's that location? So start putting mm-hmm. other locations. Like it doesn't always have to be Austin or Texas. You can start putting like New York and other places that you think has a good market for your item and then also use hashtags. And then the hashtags can actually be um, like you can kind of like camouflage it in there. So like no one can actually see it, but it's there. So then you're getting your um, product out to other cities. Yeah, that's a good idea. I do geotags based hashtags for California and Texas just not yeah. other yeah, areas I like but I should we started getting um I don't know we had a boutique or a we have a stockist now in Manhattan and she found us through our stories and I was like hmm I wonder how and then when she kind of told me which story she, uh, she had I guess like seen I realized that I probably geotagged those to New York that's amazing. Yeah. See, <laughs> so it you works. Can do that with hashtags too, and I think you're allowed, I believe, ten hashtags. So you can camouflage all those hashtags into like your story somewhere, and then all those, you know, hashtags with the city name, they're going to be seen in those cities. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, where do you see your business in five um, years from now? In five years, we're hoping to have uh, more products. Right now, we're working on another collection. We finished our turmeric line, so now the next one is going to be like saffron, and it's going to have you know some other unique ingredients like cardamom. And we're hoping that we can be in retailers. Maybe um, hopefully, the next five years, you'll see us somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will. You're, it's bound to happen. You're already on the uh, radar. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are on radars, and um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good sign. But it's kind of keeping that, you know, I guess momentum going, and so I'm just hoping. But new products you can yeah, launch exactly. and staying relevant. So. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad you came on. This has been helpful even to <laughs> well, me. Thank you. I've learned a lot. Be, you know, somewhat <laughs> <you>? of help. <laughs> oh, you've been a great help. Yeah, because online sales, everyone wants yeah, to have a business online Yeah, and everyone's doing it, now. and I think it's great. But, um, you know, not every company is going to be, like, super successful, and that's why I'm always, like, trying my best to, you know, give 100% to my company like, I'm just, uh, that's why I told myself, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this in a way where I'm going to give myself no other choice but to make it successful, because that, that's what's going to feed me. Uh, and so that's why. Yeah. And interviewing you is like the reason I started my podcast, because I am just talking oh, to you, you're going to be successful so and be in Sephora <laughs> and Ulta. So it's like, being able to interview before you've gotten to that point is the reason for the podcast. So people can find it achievable because I was honestly overhearing about millionaires already in target. You know, I wanted to hear about people trying yeah. to get into target, and, uh, you know, I've met some amazing people that, you know, have skincare companies that are like, they're found in Nordstrom Sephora already. And they'll tell you, um, you know, it's just about helping one another. That's really how you get yourself up there, you know, because the more you're able to, I think, give back, the more I think just life in general gives to you. 
and um, I'm always, you know, I, I definitely see some kind of like truth in that. Oh, I 100% agree. I always tell people the number one business yeah, tip is just to be a good definitely. person. You hear a lot of people. <laughs> if you're a good person, will, things yeah. will come come your way. So. Well, where can everyone follow so you on follow social media? At Reka Beauty. And then they can also follow me if they want to at um, I am Reka. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. And I just hope you have the best day. I'm thank excited so to see what your brand thank does. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. It was so much fun. And I can't wait to actually meet you in person. <laughs> yes, I'll let you know when I start getting of better course. sales and read that book. <laughs> and I can even like, you know, email it to you or something like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I wrote it down. So I'll yeah, make sure definitely. to post about it and stuff as well. Thank All right. you. Well, thank this you again. Fun. You too. Enjoy Perfect. Well, have a good day. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. Every week I interview a new woman small business owner and we go over the struggles of owning a business, what her story is, and so much more. Please, if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And just thank you again for listening. And if you are interested in nominating someone, please go ahead and go to the website, don'tcallmegirlboss.com, and there is a nomination form for you to fill out. Thank you again. Bye.